0: Welcome to On the Road Again with Doc Hawk. I am your host, Wyatt Hawkmeyer, aka Doc Hawk, and each week I sit down to bring you my thoughts on ultra running, wellness, and most importantly, life. Of course, each show has a theme, but it is completely unscripted, and each episode takes a direction of its own. So, like in life and ultra running, you never know what you're going to get. I hope you enjoyed joining me on this new and exciting journey. Now, on with the show. All right, all right, all right. We are doing it again. Right here in the studio, live with my friend Justin Turnbow. And uh, Justin's in town. Where do you live? Justin's at Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Bigsby. Bigsby. I was way off. Hey, Not really. No, it's all right there. But uh, Justin's here joining me today. It's a. Uh, Friday afternoon, football season's up and coming, the weather's great, we ought to be out running, watching football, doing something fun, but uh, we're here doing something else fun, recording this podcast, so it's going to be a good time, and I had just met Justin uh, this summer at the Lotsey 200, he was there volunteering and helping people, and I got to hear a little bit about his story, and uh, you know, after meeting him and experiencing his energy, and and. Some of his stories, I decided he would be a great guest for this podcast. He's well-known in the Tulsa running community, as well as some of the other outside of Oklahoma running communities, just because some of the races he's done, and uh, we learned through our conversation at Lotsey that we've got some mutual friends, one of my best friends from what seems like a lifetime ago, is somebody that Justin knows, so we're going to get into all of that today, but um, I guess... The Best thing to do now is say, "Hey, Justin, how are you, man?"
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you. Good to see you again. So, uh, you've been up to a lot since uh, we last spoke. Yeah. Uh, you were. Gosh, was it last weekend? You were at, you were running yeah, this past weekend at Hennepin One Hundred. Uh, less than less than a week ago, you were running a hundred, and that was in the mountains, right? No, no,
1: it's all flat.
0: Oh, where is that? In one? Illinois. Oh, okay, it's in Illinois. Yeah. I'd seen I'd seen a lot of people. From Oklahoma that were there, and um, I, I didn't know what the deal was with that race. So perhaps you yeah. could uh, fill me in. Well, it's a super
1: flat course, so it's made for speed, and to, I mean that's where. Um. Anyway, that's where records have been set, and oh yeah, and it's called the Henny Pin. Uh-huh. Henny Pin One Hundred. It's like in I want to say Collin,
0: Illinois. Huh. Now is it on a trail or is it on it's a paved a, course? It's a canal. It's oh, a ended it? canal. Oh okay. Somebody I mean, somebody was telling so me about that course before. Those are cool. I've run have you ever run a canal outside of that one? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and actually there was a lot more paving than I mean, it wasn't like paving paving but like asphalt type paving. Yeah. Than what I expected to be a lot of dirt road trail, you know, like pumpkin is where you spend a lot of time on dirt
0: now where where do you usually train everywhere i mean turkey
1: mountain and anywhere that i can run
0: well and that's you know that's kind of what i was getting at was if if you train a lot on the dirt you know switching to a hard paved surface especially for 100 miles will oh i hate paving Eat your life <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me i do almost all of my training on the road so you've yeah Um, (laughs) i.e. (laughs) Lodzee well you know and Lodzee's in the park but there's a path if I I run from my house everybody always makes fun of me because it's my loop is what we call it but if you run from my house down uh, 96th street and then down to the Lodzee Centennial Park I usually do a few loops out there and then circle back Uh, by the high school I usually jump on because we have a track race we put on at the high school and I usually jump on the track run a few laps and then you know keep heading home. And that, that loop itself is nine miles from my driveway, just doing the loop. But then I usually, you know, throw in however many miles at the, at the Lotsey course at Centennial and then go over to the high school and do a few miles on the track. And, you know, I can extend that loop to 20 miles or more if I need to. And sometimes I get bored and run out to Stone Canyon and they've got a little, uh, trail around the lake, which is cool because it, take some of the beating off but as you sounds like as you experienced last week when trying to do those heavy distances on the road just beat you oh yeah up. yeah and it was camille heron who set the record out there oh she now she did the 50k record right no she set the 100 mile record uh, i thought she did the 100 out mile there. at tunnel hill yeah that's
1: it or no 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 sorry you're right yes tunnel hill is what i was thinking sorry Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 She yeah. had
0: she had done She was hundred mile record. Yeah, I saw that she was there, so I wasn't sure what she what exactly she was doing. So did fifty K. That's what I thought. She ran the fifty K. Did she set the course record when she was doing that? I don't know
1: if she did or not. They didn't say I was too busy in my own pain cave. To... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, uh, Camille ran our track race a couple of years ago at the Lodzzi 24 Hour. Really? Which was really cool to see. She was, she, it was her first attempt at the world record. And, you know, usually when a person goes from 100 mile distance to 24 hour distance or 24 hour races, and a lot of people, it takes five or six tries to really nail that 24 hour. She did it on her second try at a, uh, the race in phoenix but you know she came to ours it was her first go at 24 hours and she she hammered i think She's like a sheen. 17 7 15 ish pace for <laughs> uh the first 70 plus miles like it was crazy like she just hammered away and um, was her day she had got some rhabdo and ended up going to the hospital after the race. But, um, so she had, she'd cut out early. Obviously she didn't hit the record at Lodzie, but, um, it was amazing watching her first go at 24 hours. And then, you know, not long, a few months later at desert solstice, she came back and nailed it. Yeah. You know, everybody right now is, is it this weekend that they're doing the world 24 hours? Do you know? Mm, I don't know. I know tonight's
1: the, night the guys going for the sub 2 hour so oh yeah yeah
0: tonight do we know what time he's going to it's start at
1: clock is when it's supposed to start at 11 yeah oh man i remember <laughs> last
0: time i was up like texting justin franklin the whole time like man is he going to do it is he going to do it oh yeah it's like no, yeah, no, I should
1: be asleep. But no, no, I'm gonna stay <laughs>
0: and watch it. Yeah, I see. I teach. Uh, I teach online for the Center for Creative Leadership, and I've got a big class going right now. So all my free time is consumed with teaching. So if I don't know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't notice my Facebook activity or not, but for, for those who monitor my Facebook activity, I haven't been very active lately because one, I've been injured, so I haven't had any running that I've been able to do, and two, I'm teaching this class, which has just taken up all my free time, and I've got three more classes starting here in the next few weeks, so I'm going to be out of commission uh, through, Dece- through the beginning of December. But um, So you're healing. <laughs> yeah healing I'm, I'm healing my body and just breaking my mind with all this oh, teaching but it, it pays well so i'm uh, i'm not one to pass on the money no. but it's um it's got me to the point where i you know i knew that the, he was going to be messing with the that two hour marathon again and it just slipped my mind that it's tonight and the same thing the us 24 hour team i believe they're competing this weekend i think just from the Facebook post so. that I'd seen and um, I'm not up on that as well so yeah. as the proprietor of a podcast that's about running you'd think I would uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be up, up on is, these type of issues this is but the busy season. Uh, you know it's the life of an ultra runner we, we focus on what's in front of us and sometimes miss all the things that are around us uh, and then oh, I'm, I'm super disappointed with my injuries so I had I'd hurt my shin at Lotzi so we you wouldn't have been there that first day right you came yeah are we there friday Mm -hmm. when we kicked off so i had i'd ran the first 20 miles at the Lotsey 200 hard like a seven i don't know 750 pace i think for the first 20 miles because i was doing some marathon training and i was a little weakened my shins were getting close to having a shin splint going into it and i told julia i'm afraid i might get shin splints and then I uh, ran that first 20 hard and then ran 80 after that to get to 100 and then I just knew I made a mistake so that's why I, I didn't go ahead and keep going towards the 200 but as a result of that it hurt my my shin and my back and I, I've had fasciitis in my foot for coming up on two years and you know we went to Chicago couple weeks ago and uh, I was gonna run the Chicago half marathon I ended up deciding if I run in this I'm really gonna jack myself up so I decided I'm gonna take my two months off I was gonna take two months off this summer and I just got so excited about some of the summer races that I pushed through anyways even though I was scheduled for a break and then this is what happens yeah now I'm hurt and it stinks because tomorrow is the Hans Henry run in Owasso it's a 15k and I love it. It's a, <clears throat> it's a really cool race here in Owasso. There's a pumpkin pot patch at the United Methodist Church, and uh, it starts there, and it, it just runs through Owasso. It goes by my old house that I used to live in. I won it two years ago, and then I won the 15K, and then last year, Justin Franklin showed up, and there's no way I can beat Justin Franklin, so I got second overall last year, and then uh, this year... I was going to go for a win, and I was hoping. I knew I wasn't going to break an hour this year, but I was hoping, you know, get down 640-ish per mile was my goal. And then uh, I was hoping two weeks to go into the Tulsa run and try to break an hour. Like, I was all teed up for an amazing October, and now the the winter, excuse me, not the winter, the weather's changed, and here we are, perfect running weather. Tomorrow's going to be an amazing day for the event, and I can't run. Exactly. Even if I made a bad choice and decided to go run with my injuries because I do feel a little better because I don't run for two weeks. Even if I made that choice, I haven't trained, so I would just go out there, have a just subpar time, and then uh, be injured again. So I'm going to do the right thing here, not do it. But uh, speaking of not doing the right thing, I think I saw... This week that <laughs> you just signed up for Pumpkin Hauler Hundred, didn't you? No, no,
1: I I signed up for Pumpkin Hauler only <laughs> the twenty five k. Okay, I was like, yeah. man,
0: I thought you just took a beating, and then now you signed yeah. up for another no, hundred. No, no, no. Okay, that that eases my mind, yeah. and I didn't want to, I didn't know how to broach it, so that's yeah, why I just no. said not doing the right. My thing. My wife does
1: but... her very first Spartan Ultra or oh, Spartan yeah. Beast in Dallas, and it's two weeks after Pumpkin, and I'm like, nope. I enjoy being married, so <laughs> I am not running another 100-miler. I'm going to go enjoy hers, be an injury-free, and happy to just cheer her on because she's my greatest crewmate and, I mean, just my greatest fan. So yeah. She tolerates all those long hours of just sitting there waiting for me to show up and
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've put Julia through a lot of that myself, and (laughs) to the point that there's been some races where she just said, "You're on your own," and I'm like, "I'll do it on my own. I don't need you." And then I, yeah, I definitely need her. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm terrible (laughs) without her. And you know, I'll see people like David Terrio, Mm -hmm. uh, who's a good friend. That you know, David will just show up to races by himself and crush it with no crew. Mm -hmm. Like Western States. Me, I'll I'll show up to. I'll show up to a race without a crew and spend forty-five minutes at the aid station talking to people because I'm like I'm lonely and I don't have a crew, so I'm I'm really bad at it. And then I get really, really down and out, and I talk myself out, and then I end up quitting or just piddling around. It's, it doesn't work very well. But when Julie's there, she yells at me and. Like, you met julia oh, yeah. at the lindsey 200 yeah, she's uh, a lot of time talking and she's about she's all about uh ultra getting running. it finished <laughs> so yeah she'll uh she'll yell at me i'll sit down and she'll like why are you sitting down get up get up now and um you know my pr on the hundred i didn't walk at all that one i just ran the whole time but i tried to sit down once to change my shoes and she she got so mad that at one that i was sitting down i'm like i don't know how to change my shoes without sitting down and then she was like well then don't change your shoes (laughs) you know i have to put up with with all of that but that's the only reason i've had some of the the pretty good performances that i've had is because uh julia was around to keep me moving you know on the run across the state that i did this year i did it solo so i was i was just out there on the road pushing that baby stroller full of my supplies by myself and and there was a lot of times where i was taking way too many breaks i never sat down but there were there were definitely times when i was finding excuses to stop a lot and so that was that was one of the challenges for me it was just trying to figure out how to motivate myself to keep going and and i got pretty good at it like that last day even the last day I took a lot of early stops and at a certain point I was just like, you know what, you're never gonna finish this run if you continue to behave like this. And so I just didn't allow myself to stop for 10 miles at a time, which which got the job done. But generally speaking, I think the bigger and stronger you are, like the bigger baby you are <laughs> on an ultra marathon, the more support you need. I don't know, I could be wrong in my, my assessment, but it seems like the biggest, toughest guys Need, need oh, yeah. the biggest, toughest crews. <laughs> or excuse yeah. me, the the biggest crews full of the sweetest women. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, when I was at Leadville this year, getting ready for the 100 at the camp, um, they talked to us about crewing and, you know, Ken's up there and talking to everybody. And he's like, look, here's the deal, guys. They had a guy who was leading the race going in to Twin Lakes. Totally supported upon his crew. And it was his wife and her kids, and they wrecked the car oh. and never made it to Twin Lakes. So he got there, spent his time looking, and ended up DNFing. Golly. And just, you know, after that point, I mean, I just, I really am, I look at it as crewing as a bonus, pacers are a bonus, but I, drop, I do drop bags everywhere. Yeah. So I'm totally self-supported just in case. I don't have the record to show that, but <laughs> I'm good at DNFing, you know, but it's, I love 100 miles because you can have the best race and everything goes south. You can have the worst race and finish.
0: So there. how, uh, how many hundreds have you done now? One, two, three, four or five. Yeah. It's, since it's like year. me. I don't, I don't have since, a.
1: Since, uh,
0: February. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of, it sounds like you kind of approach it like I do. I don't really have a tally. It's just like I'll pick something. I'm like, I'll go do it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes sometimes it works. Sometimes I pick a race that's over 100 miles and I maybe finish, maybe don't. But, there, you know, there's been quite a few times where I've hit 100 miles and not finished a race but still did over 100. Or... You know did a timed race like a 48 hour or 24 hour or whatever and got over 100 and so i just and you know i've done quite a few races that aren't on ultra sign up in which i've done 100 but then i've you know, i've had other races where i've done 24 hours especially at my track race where you know i secured a solid lead and wanted to be part of just part of my race and did the race and won overall but just called it at like 85 86 miles because I had the distance in and nobody was going to catch me so I've you know I've done I have no idea how many times I've actually run 100 miles probably over a dozen yeah would be my guess I've, I'm sure I've hit it at least a dozen times but I don't count so <laughs> it, it doesn't much matter in my mind how many times I've done it it's just you know it's a to your point, it's a really unique experience, and it's not just—it's not just about the running. It's about the camaraderie and the self exploration, and just all the, all the different things that happen. It's, it's, it's through the thirty course. hours.
1: It's thirty hours that anything can go wrong, and that's why I love it. I mean, I did February second, I did Rocky Raccoon, and came in bonked hard, and Christine Fisher was there to pace me. And my wife was freaking out. And then she was like, set him down, shove food in him. We're going to get back out there. And we left. And from there all the way to make the next loop, I had a calf cramp that just would not leave. So I'd run for a little while, sit down, run for a little while, sit down. And I mean, the DNF that I ended up with was on me, but I just couldn't see going 50 miles with this incredible calf cramp that literally when I got back, to Tulsa. Two weeks later, I went and had dry needling done to get it to finally release. Jeez. And it was just like, you know, but it was self-inflicted. And that's what I love about this is just like um, this past weekend at Pin 100. It was self-inflicted. I didn't realize that I know I'm a bigger human being. Anybody that's in the Clydesdale category is a bigger human being. If you're over 200 pounds, that's a lot of earth to move for 100 miles.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I was I was well over, I was probably 215-ish when I started, um, not when I started training, but when I actually did my first 100, I think I was two about, I think I w I'd weighed either right after or right before, and I was at like 210, but I was right around 215 was the weight that yeah. I was at that time, and that, you know, makes a world of difference, especially on your legs, like, oh, you, your I- leg's beat up when you're carrying that extra weight absolutely I mean
1: January 3rd I mean like the people who know me know that's when my son passed away after battling brain tumors for 15 months and that was just this last year yeah oh man I'd see I didn't know that yeah and uh, he had had three surgeries started September 22nd and uh, for the next 15 months I mean he would have a surgery and it was between the front and temporal lobe. And the tumor itself, had, it was a PXA tumor. And it wrapped itself around the artery. So they could never remove it totally without turning him into a vegetable. And me and Carrie, his mom, we were both just like, that's not an option. He's 16 years old. He's not going to be a vegetable, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, God can do this, you know, and it can, it can work out. But every time they do surgery... It would totally wipe out the right side of his body to the point he'd have to learn to walk again, learn to talk again, learn to write, learn to use his arms, pick things up, every motor skill, you know, primitive motor skill, start all over. Yet he never, ever complained. He'd just look at me and go, okay. And we'd go again. And, you know, I saw, I mean, He's my hero, I mean, flat out. After doing, going through this and, you know, I work at the Riverside Group and my boss, the day it happened was like, you yeah, know, I don't care if it takes two weeks, it takes 16 years. You got a job and you take care of that boy, that's your number one job right now. And I mean, through emergency flights to Dallas, to children's medical, to, you know, being in hotels wherever, and then coming back and back and forth back and forth and just I mean I stayed there with him until he would get to come home and we repeated that you know three times then the fourth time we were in Oklahoma City and uh, or we were in Tulsa and we were getting ready the third he was supposed to have his final surgery and this doctor in Oklahoma City thought he could at Sooner Medical thought he could really get a lot of it and uh we knew it was coming. And January first, he was doing pretty good. And me and my wife Andrea went and did the polar plunge. And I didn't know at the time that there was a two-mile run before it. So I was protesting the run. I just wanted to jump in the water and get back out. Yeah. And uh, ran half a mile and had to walk the other mile and a half. Weighed two hundred and sixty-two pounds. So you weren't so you are not a runner at all no. going into that. <laughs> no. No, in fact, everyone that knows me, running would be the very last thing. I mean, there would have to be an attack going on on me <laughs> for me to run somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, um, January 2nd, it was like 2 a.m. that morning, and he was fighting really hard and uh, making groans that I'll never forget. And... Um, I was having to physically hold him down. He was trying to rip his IVs out and everything. And it's just like, and finally I just told him, was like, Look, son, it's like, if you got to go, go. You know, don't stay here because of me. And just, you know, I don't want that.
0: Now, were yeah. you were you at home or were we in the hospital? No, we
1: were at the hospital at uh, uh, St. Francis, waiting for transport the next day. Mm. And, uh, he relaxed about 15 minutes later and we'd find out later that the tumor itself had grown so fast that it had pinched off the blood supply to the brain and it made him, rendered him brain dead.
0: Now, <clears throat> excuse me, had had he received a terminal diagnosis leading into that or I mean, as far as your mindset, you weren't expecting that outcome at all? We knew, we you know,
1: and I don't want to get religious or anything like that this is just me in the way that I believe in the way that everything that I understand you know it's like if you lay it at the foot of the cross then it'll be answered unfortunately sometimes it's not answered the way we want and the peace and freedom that he gave my son came at him leaving here not being here and you know we have people try to like oh you need to do make a wish you need to do it's like you don't know our God. That's not an option. I mean, he can beat this. I've never met a kid so full of life and so happy and so nice. I mean, I can remember days he would be in total pain, and he wouldn't let us know because he didn't want to bother us with his pain.
0: Golly. Now, what? What was your son's name? Keaton. Keaton.
1: Yeah, Keaton Graham Turbo. And that's why, like anybody who sees me running or whatever, they'll see the patch on my back. It says KGT. And says live a life worth remembering, because that's honestly the only reason I run. I mean, when he died, and then January third, um, Life Share, we got to meet the people with Life Share, and seven people received organs from him. Oh God! Because he was brain dead, so they were able to harvest the organs and save, you know, seven different people. So, you know, we go from that to the funeral and everything there and we had an altar call there because we called it a celebration of life because that's what you do with a 16 year old mm-hmm. and over 800 people showed up golly we had people praying from all over the world but they uh, you know after that I walk in the house January 15th and I told Andrea I was like hey I'm gonna do the run Leadville She's like okay what's Leadville I was like it's a 100 mile race across the top of the mountains in Colorado she's like oh one problem you don't run and and you don't (laughs) climb mountains (laughs) I was like well I guess I do now eight weeks later I ran the Oklahoma City Marathon and finished it just ahead of the struggle bus and then eight weeks after that a good friend of ours with Lifetime Fitness said hey by the way, there's a Midnight Madness 50 miler, you know, and you're wanting to do 100. That would be a great idea. And her name was Kelly Corrado, and she was like, you know, it's only eight weeks away. I mean, you've already ran 26. What's another? <laughs> I was like, might as well. Sure, I can do that. So everyone at Lifetime banned in and joined in and like helped pace me as I miserably walked. Through a bunch of rain and everything. Did you get to that 50? Yeah. Finished uh-huh. 15 minutes before the cutoff. Oh, jeez. And then I had the brilliant idea that I was going to jump over the finish line because that's what you do. <laughs> that's not what you do in an ultra. Yeah. The second I jumped, I was my feet were like, hey... I don't think you talked to the brain about this because we're out of here, and I just like almost collapsed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd say ultra. Be happy if you can uh, run across the finish line. <laughs> yeah, jumping, I uh, I don't recommend it. It's, it's yeah. a great five k stunt. <laughs> fly through the air. Now, um, you know, I'm I'm interested in in some of the things you mentioned. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that. Um, my stepson had passed away and it's been a little while now but it's uh, you know all of our races when you look on the the race shirts there's an aware rx sticker and you know josh was his name and josh had passed away of a prescription drug overdose and this was uh, 2010 so it'll be nine well i guess it's been coming up on 10 years now and but we've we do all our races in honor of josh and that's what the the R- aware RX little symbol is on the on the race shirts, and you know we if we have some profits, we will donate a certain amount of money to different causes, and just really uh, the goal is to promote awareness around it. Just because not only you know mm-hmm. is it a problem in this world, but it's when those type of, of experiences, as you know, um, are. I don't really know how to describe it other than just a, an insane whirlwind that, you know, as a parent, in my case, I was just a step parent, but, you know, trying, I, I feel like it's just luck that I personally got out of the situation, just because oh, okay. it feels like your whole life is spiraling out of control and you look for some sort of direction or guidance to somehow navigate just the. The tornado that's going through your mind not so much that the world's changed the world's the world but in your mind it's just everything is oh. spinning so fast and coming and it's like uh, I don't know for me running well, running I mean, was one of the ways he was
1: my only son so literally I
0: mean when me and my
1: wife are gone it's done I mean it is as the bible said to tell us it is finished and You know, for me, it was, I'd already failed at drugs. I'd already failed at alcohol. So running was really my only other option. (laughs) And I love the fact of how much pain you could really occur. And still you were, I mean, oh, you hear it so many times and I'm sure you've said it plenty of times at your races. You're stronger than you think. You can endure more than you think you can. And it's so true. I mean, I haven't even begun to tap. You know, even with my DNFs, I still have so much to learn. I still have... And I'm surrounded by great people. You know, Kathy at Runner's World, you know, and you guys, and just, there's everybody around me. I mean, the ultra community, I love it. Because you, everyone cares. You know, I mean, when you're down, they're like, hey man, you know, just don't forget, you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever I'm being a total butt. You know, because I'm depleted on food and trying to bonk and, you know, I'm not being very nice. Yet, you know, Christine and Mike and Kathy are running by me and they're just like, dude, it's okay. We'll get
0: through it. We'll get to the next aid station. We'll get your fuel back up. We'll go again.
1: Who does that?
0: Yeah, it's just, I've, you know, and I've always, I've always said this, but, you know, it was the, it was the goal that got me there. You know, it was the goal of doing this big thing, at least in my mind, this big thing that was somehow going to set me apart and prove to myself and others (laughs) what I was capable of. You know, that's what kind of gets you to the table. It's the price of admission, if you will. But, you know, it's not what brings you back because once you've done it, you've done it. (laughs) Like you can say, well, I want to get a better time. Well, you can always get a better, unless you're Camille or somebody, but even then, they're always fighting for better times. And better times are always out there, but it's you. You come back for the people and the experiences, and you know the ex. The experience of doing it alone versus doing it in a race environment with the people is very different because you don't want to. I mean, you really don't want to just do it alone a lot. And I've done, I've done some solo stuff. The run across the state. Last year, I was doing the Wides Driveway 100, where I was just going out by myself from my driveway, and I'm just running, and it's it's not the same. I mean, I set up a little aid station in my garage or whatever, and I, ha- I haven't finished 100 at Wides Driveway 100 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've got up to 75, but I haven't actually hit the 100 on my whole things that I do for my driveway but I, I have a little aid station I'll stop it and Hapa Sushi's the sponsor of all our races and they'll feed me lunch and I'll stop there on my route but it's um, it's not the same as when you go to a race and you're with the people and you're getting through the night with your all the different people and you know it's not really something you pair up with another person on you just you meet people on the road and you pair up not on the road but on the trail or wherever you're running and you pair up and you have this bond and a lot of times those relationships go on for the rest of your life and it's just, it's so interesting. A lot of people don't get the meaning of that bond either in the sense that run with somebody in the middle of the night in an ultra for six hours.
1: (laughs) And like anybody you suffer with, you're going to have more in common with. Yeah, I mean because... You're done with your niceties. Yeah. So when you're, <laughs> you're when you're
0: with. on that struggle bus and you're in severe pain and you've you've talked all day and listened to podcasts and music or whatever, and now you're just kind of down to the raw version of yourself. Well it's mm-hmm. kind of a no limits. You just you say like and then you spend hours with somebody you run into in the race, like the level of Conversation it would probably fast forward to somebody you've known for five years. Oh, yeah. Well, when you but, talk about things that you're like going,
1: okay, never talk to anybody about poop. Much less but, a stranger. Yeah. Much less <laughs> a total stranger. But you know what? For right now, this is totally okay. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, what you were saying about doing it solo, um, March 30th would have been my son's 18th birthday. And so I did what I called a KGT 100, which I got a hold of Brian Hoover and he helped me get a hold of the Parks and Recreations and we went from 41st to 71st and just did the worst 5k loop ever just back and forth and you know you go down to the restrooms and the back it's a 5k you go out to the past 71st Street Bridge and back it's a 10k and I just like I'm going to do this I'm going to do 100 miles to honor my son we had over 150 people show up oh jeez Plus the news crew was there Saturday to do a piece on it was National Walk Day, which I didn't even know (laughs) and one of the ladies is like, I got a better piece for you if you want it and they ended up talking to me about you know, why I was doing it and everything for my son and everything like that and but I mean, in reality, you know, I mean and I'm sure you know this I mean you feel it in the ultra. you know it's like do I even matter I mean when you're by yourself and you're going down that road it don't matter if it's dirt or paved when you're by yourself when I mean, you get into this thing it's like you know if I just stopped right here would anybody even really care and you know the only thing that keeps us going at least with me is the fact that I care
0: yeah
1: I don't want to go out like this my son never quit so you know, I, I can't <laughs> That's not an option for me, you know? And I know it's not an option for you because I saw you at load C200. You know, you're battling this thing. Yeah, you could have finished 200, but okay. We both had a friend there who was going for her first 200. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you, I mean, I'd already talked to you that I was not going to be back the final day. And what did you tell me? You're like, look, I'll make sure she gets across that line. And I knew you would. Yeah. You know, and she, of course, where is she this weekend? At Harlem. <laughs> 100. 100
0: she's in two this month. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jackie came and did my driveway 100 with me. Uh, we actually, we did 75 at that one. Yeah. But it was, yeah, you know, Jackie's, Jackie's amazing. She comes out here and just, she does it. And she's, she's like us, though, that she's, uh, you know, she's not one of those people who's perfect every time and just gets out there and crushes it every single time like she gets out there and puts it all on the table and sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't and I oh, mean yeah. you know, to me that's how I like to run is just go do it make stupid mistakes early and figure them out late well, that's where you got and to the states yeah because I mean for you know
1: him to go out like he did and everyone's just like he's gonna blow up he always blows up well,
0: he finished it this time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Always blows up, just not today. Yeah. Like, and, and you never know. And I've, you know, I've, I've made some really dumb mistakes. I showed up at Honey Badger this year, talked him into letting me do it unsupported, just pushing my little buggy around. But I was sick of changing flat tires because it, I felt like I was having to do that a lot on my run across Oklahoma, so I'd replaced them with those airless tubes Uh-oh. and uh, didn't test at first. And so I show up out there. I might as well just like tied some bricks to the axles. <laughs> like that thing did not push. Like it was so heavy. Yeah. And at mile 45, when I was on the hills and the wind, I was just like my arms and chest. Like, I was like, you know, I, I trained and my legs hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, my legs were sore. My quads were blown because you position oh, yeah. your body different pushing the cart anyway. So, uh, it was all uphill the first 30 miles is a slight uphill. So it should ordinarily you'd have some tight hamstrings, but my quads were blown from pushing that thing uphill for four or 30 miles. And then, um, running those hills, my arms, my arms and chest. And I was like, I called my wife, and I was like, you know, I trained for a 100-mile leg workout, but I did not train for a 100-mile arm workout. I was like, this is... I, I just didn't see it coming. And I'd run 230 miles pushing that thing across Oklahoma on all sorts of hills. and But it's a big difference when oh. the tires don't have air in them. I had this <laughs>
1: brilliant idea. I mean, or not brilliant idea. Um, a good friend of mine, Sean Lewis. And yeah, we signed up to help Micah and... Get him to his 100-miler at the Urban Tulsa. Or Tulsa Urban Uh Ultra. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, I'll sign up. And then I was like, wait, I got the race next weekend, so I could only do half a loop. Pushing him was something I could not prepare my physical body for. I'm so glad that I only had to push for 13 miles. Uh Uh-huh. Because my arms hurt so bad. And it wasn't, I mean, the uphills, I would just power push through it but going downhill you'd start picking up speed and then you're like wait a minute there's an intersection he can't roll through an intersection so you're like you're grabbing hold of the bar and hitting this little bitty brake on the front tire sometime trying to backstop and front load in your quads and uh-huh i was smoked after that i couldn't believe i mean the next day i hurt like i have never hurt before <laughs> but seeing sean get beat his
0: PR of what he wanted and everything was so worth it. Oh man, I can't imagine. But yeah, I had, you know, Honey Badger. I was just happy. I pushed the stupid cart for 45 (laughs) miles because like there were seriously like some people that I let push it, like to test it. Like the race director, I let Carolyn, she like couldn't get it started. It was so heavy. Like it was, it was so heavy. I'm like, I don't know how I did that for 45 miles. If I do it again, I'm obviously not going to go with the tubeless Yeah. those no, I mean, I lost because he got but,
1: tired of flat tires on a riding lawnmower, so we uh, had to spill them, fill them. It wouldn't roll. Yeah, the it wasn't was, strong enough to push it forward. Even,
0: <laughs> and the thing didn't work good without any weight in it. But I had all this ice and water and food and yeah. stuff. It, like it was, it was miserable. It was a terrible idea, but I, I don't know. In hindsight, I was set on, I was set on trying to get a certain time. Like in my mind, I thought it was going to be twenty two ish hours maybe 24 at the most and i started having the realization like this thing's going to be 28 to 30 hours and i was like i did not want to be out here for 28 to 30 hours and that's not the mindset you can have in ultra Is i don't want to be out here for 28 hours <laughs> like yeah be out here until it's over and you know when james delmore um at the loci 200 i'm sure i don't know if you remember who james is but james he had just done tahoe before and was getting ready to do bigfoot or vice versa i don't remember no he just did bigfoot two weeks before load and then was Walter? about to do tahoe two weeks later no his name was james oh yeah yeah, yeah. He had yes. his shirt off he's yes. kind of taller yes. but um you know mm-hmm. when the timer was recording double loops for a little bit and i had to let a couple of people know hey um the screen said you had this many loops but this how many you really have when i told him he just said I was planning on being out here for 72 hours, anyways. Yeah. What's it? I'll, yeah. <laughs> thanks for letting me know. And Walter he just was kept on going. And I was just like, dang. Like, that's the approach you have to have. Like, well, okay, I was a little less far than I thought. It, like, it didn't change anything. I was going to be out here, anyways. So just keep, keep trucking. So I know you,
1: you know, have me on your podcast and everything, but I've got to ask you a question that I didn't get a chance to ask you. Yeah. How cool was it to have two guys who are going for the record? of the most 100-mile races in a year.
0: Yeah, with Walter and Michael. Like, that was just insane. (laughs) And, you know, Walter... Walter sat right in the seat where you're sitting the night before, and we got to talk through his journey. You know, Walter, we've got a good podcast episode with him. But then um, Michael, after his race, came. I was taking him to the YMCA to take a shower, and I was like, why am I taking him to the Y? Let's just come over here. So, you know, he came over, and so they've both been here... Broke bread, yeah. like they both, yeah. you know, that was such a cool experience. Not only getting to know them on a personal level and having them in my house, and you know, Michael and I did a Facebook Live at the event too. Yeah. But just seeing them together, doing this together, because they weren't competing. You know, no, what I mean, no. you didn't, you never I got remember, the sense. I remember sitting there watching them
1: competition. Him. And they would like it was camaraderie. Yeah, he would hook Michael's arm, and they would. Like walk for a little bit and then, you know, Walter would slow down and Michael would hook his arm and they'd walk. And I was just like totally competing against each other. But they want to help each other get to the goal.
0: Well, and you know, James James Delmore was there. He's he's getting the two hundred record this year. And um, he'll break the two hundred record this year. I think he's tied for it right now. But you know, James and Walter Walter's next Thing is going to be going for the 200 record and so is James's and neither one of them knew that and both of them had kind of just mentioned it to me but both of them said not next year but the following years when they're going to do it and then I You know, Walter told me that on the podcast, and then James told me that on the course. And I was like, man, it's funny you say that because last night on the podcast, somebody said, was talking about that same record. And so I, and he's like, who? And I connected them. They didn't know each other. And, um, well, I mean, I got to run with Billy. You know, but all of a sudden, this weekend, those two, Walter and James, were the same way. They all of a sudden just started plotting out their competition to break the 200 in two years. But it wasn't like, I'm going to beat you or whatever. It was just like, oh, do you know about this race? Oh, are you going to... Uh, uh, and just like collaborating and talking. It was super cool. And then I've seen pictures of all them together and since then. And it was just like, man, this is the spirit of I love it. I love the community. Like you would never see like the night before the World Series. You know, you'd never see the pitchers, starting pitchers from the two teams just like out having a beer, hanging out. Now, man. Well, <laughs> even a marathon. You wouldn't
1: see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's that quiet combativ- combativeness where you know, I, I love man, I love Ultra because I I remember one of my favorite stories was three years ago, I believe it was, is Dean Carnassus ran Leadville and finished like fifteenth, twentieth, something like that. But he stayed till the last person came through. Yeah,
0: just hanging out the finish yeah. line.
1: And I mean, all the you know, Rob Carrar last year. I mean, you know, finishes Western States and then runs back out on the course to help somebody finish
0: beat the time before the cutoff. That's insane. You know, and you know, I had the year I had I did the Spartathlon. I had and I was new to ultra running, and you know, I was a the Prairie spirit, and I met Paul Schoenlob which I don't know if you know Paul, but he's done more. Ultras than anybody I know. And I know Ed, and I think Paul's done more than Ed as far as number of ultras. Wow. Paul's done tons and tons. And, you know, Paul's, he's been doing it for a long time. So Paul's not really in a status where you'd be winning competitive hundreds. But that year at uh, Prairie Spirit, Paul won overall first. And, uh, you know, I come through on my time, which I don't even know what it was, 20, low 20s. And, Look, and Paul's just sitting at the finish line, and they're like, "Yeah, he won." And then, uh, he just he he got his chair, and he put his feet up, and he got a blanket. It was freezing cold that year, and he just camped out at the finish line and cheered people on. And I've tried that. I've tried that ever since then, <laughs> and I've just <laughs> failed miserably. Like I get yeah. so tired and like just exhausted, and I can't pull it off. I'll, I'll do it as long as I can, but I'm yeah. just beat and and crash. And
1: when I did the level. One hundred. I finished the marathon. I finished Silver Rush 50. Finished both of those, and last was hopefully to finish the Leadville. And I knew because I'm not a fast runner, so I knew I'd be battling the cutoffs. So I literally, you know, everyone's like, "Oh no, you can plan it for the mile 28 or you know 29 hour," and it was like, "No, I'm gonna have to look at the cutoffs and stay ahead of those." And I got to mile 30 and I missed it. Oh man, missed the cutoff, but. You know, I walked up and uh, I just, you know, the lady's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm not. I mean, to make up time down power line, I was running a 612. Jeez. (laughs) And I mean, I was yelling people ahead, run her back, because if I, if they got in my way, I was just going to mow them over. (laughs) And I ended up using my trek poles to get to mile 30 after power line. I just, I mean, I... It took everything out of me, but I knew I, I knew that that was going to be the problem. You know, elevation is always a mind trick. And then, you know, if you're not, consi- you know, if you can't run 9 to 10 minute miles for a long period of time, it's a tough race. Especially because you know you're going to lose it on the climbs. And Oklahoma, you don't have someplace that you can go run uphill for 5 miles. Yeah. You know, but the same point... I mean, Mary Lee was there crying and gave me a great big hug and, you know, and then Ken goes, get over here, son. And I just walked over to him and I was like, I, but you didn't quit. That's all I ever ask. You didn't quit. I'm proud of you. And my dad has been long since passed and my mom too. And that was as close to something a dad could say that I could have ever asked for.
0: Man, that is so cool.
1: So, our... You know, 29 is coming up, and we've already been at the hotel back and everything. And I'm getting ready to go get my drop bags, and we're like, you know what? Uh So we went to the finish line, and for the last hour, I got to stand in the corral with Cole and Marilee and Ken and cheer all the runners in (laughs) for that last hour. That was so cool. The golden hour. And 15 minutes after, he fired the shotgun, Somebody came through, and I, I was so excited for him, yet so sad, yeah, in the same breath, because I mean they had been there the thirty hours, <laughs> no mistaking,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean that is just that's unreal. What what that must be like, but I mean the point is to run hundred miles. So I mean yeah. you get out there on the Leadville course and do it, yeah. and if you miss. Fifteen minutes and don't get a buckle, so be it. But you still I'm, ran hundred miles on the Leadville course in one setting.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I'm grateful. Honestly, I I don't. I'm I'm sure we have more DNFs. Positive of that, because I'm always going to try something bigger than myself.
0: Well, that's going I was gonna say you're not trying. You're not taking on big enough challenges if you're not DNFing. Yeah. As my yeah. as my assessment of the situation, I know other people disagree, and I I also feel that. You know, I'm I'm conflicted on it because to a certain extent, to a certain extent, people should stay close to their lane. I don't think anybody should stay in their lane. Yeah. But on the other hand, I didn't. I never. It's not how I started. I'm I'm finding my way back to it now. Yeah, but you should
1: never want to be comfortable.
0: But I started, you know, in a similar manner to what you've described, and I want to hear more about your journey. But you know, I was and not running at all and then just picked an ultra to sign up for and it was six weeks away and uh, julia's like you don't run and i was like well i'm gonna start and she's like well you better start fast and then i just started running like mixing in running and walking and then went and did one which was way way i hadn't even i'd never done a marathon before that and ended up doing 100k and wow. it was and i was in the mountains and it was like it was a pretty tough course there's a lot of sand that you're getting through and i had no idea what i was doing but you know i just went and did it so on the, you know to that end it's a great way to get in and you know i ran a marathon after that so, so yeah, i ran my first 5k yeah and I, ran, I was like man this doesn't take very long <laughs> my my only goal at that oklahoma city marathon was don't walk and so i and i made that goal Two nights before, I think. Maybe the night before I decided I was going to try to do it without walking. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was way out of way out of my league. And then we decided, well, I want to do 100. And, you know, the Honey Badger 100 was in July. So it was just like in, what was it, January, I wasn't running at all. No, but beginning of February, I started running. And by July, I did my first 100. And I was really big leading up to all that i i mean i would got in shape and started dropping weight and dropping weight just hiking around and walking but you know i was 287 pounds at a you know a year before that yeah and so it was so i mean you understand i mean you know when
1: they tell you look for each pound is four pounds of pressure on your knee Yeah. You know, when you're when you lose sixty pounds, when you lose eighty pounds, it's just like I don't ever want to do that again. I don't ever want to feel that kind of weight.
0: Yeah. And I remember I remember when I did that first hundred K at that point I was still you know, at that point I was still really strong. I was still repping with three fifteen on bench and doing high rep squats with over four hundred, like just doing lots of, you know, I was strong. Like there's and so I was like, Well, I may not be the fastest person on the course but I'm definitely the strongest. There you, was, go. you know, it was my mindset. Over time I had to you know, just keep Keep losing weight and keep losing weight, trying to get good and fast mm-hmm. at this thing, but I've I've still not figured it out. But so for you, um, you know, you said you're two hundred and sixty five pounds in January and then by you said March you did a hundred? No, February second of the next year. Okay, so about a year later. Yeah. I entered um <clears throat> Rocky, I weighed two twenty. Now was that two sixty five? Was that I did lifting weight
1: solid big no. or combination? Com- um, I'd say a weightlifter, not a bodybuilder, but definitely a weightlifter. Like um, I did go ruck events, mm-hmm. so heavy backpack, all that good fun stuff, and you know twelve hour events and finish those and learning all the way through with that and just really love suffering
0: yeah and i know i'm nobody on the podcast can see this but i'm going to show uh justin a picture but this was me a little before a year before Holy i cow. did i got into it <laughs> you know so i was uh you know and in this picture julia's you know julia's i think probably 115 pounds in the picture and she's I'm wearing a striped shirt, and it looks like you could fit about three of her (laughs) in my striped shirt. I sent my brother a text after I took that picture. I was like, Yeah, I can't wear stripes anymore. Yeah. Um, But yeah, stripes are not appealing, not that direction. uh, You know, I was strong, strong (laughs) back then. And it helped, though. It helped for me getting in shape because once I decided that wasn't healthy and I needed to lose a little weight and a little more, you know, and I started walking and even walking. Was just shredding my feet. Mm-hmm. Like the, the bottoms of my feet looked like somebody took a like somebody took a knife to a piece of cheese. Like oh, yeah. it was just like shredded yeah. and hacked up. But I had that strength in my legs because I was squatting over six hundred pounds back then. And I had that strength in my legs, and I would just throw on heavy packs. There was days where I would uh, throw an eighty pound dumbbell on my pack and just go walk for. 10, 15 miles and, and you know, a lot of days where I'd throw sixty pounds in that pack and do twenty mile hikes and was yeah. just walking around oh, also in my yeah. loop. Like people I'm sure people thought I was a homeless person. Like well, just... I
1: mean, I'm at lifetime fitness, sixty pounds in my go ruck bag, walking uphill on a treadmill. Yeah. For two hours. <laughs> and they're like going, what's wrong with that guy? I mean the very first marathon I did I actually did a marathon prior to Oklahoma City like two weeks before and I walked it on a treadmill at Lifetime. Seven and a half hours. Jeez. And the trainers were going by they're like, you were here like when I left hours ago. And I was (laughs) like, I've got to find out if I can make it 26 miles, 26.2 miles. I've got to know if, if I can walk it, then I can finish it. If I just... And that was the main reason with getting ready for Leadville and doing Keaton's race. I wanted to honor him with something I hadn't done. And the 100 miles, I failed at Rocky. I failed at mile 75. Or I didn't fail. I didn't finish. So, you know, I was like, okay, no matter... I don't care. If it takes me 72 hours, I'm going to get 100 miles in. And it ended up taking me 33 hours and... We that was with the cameras and taking time to change shoes all the time. Oh man,
0: that's cool. You
1: know, but I was surrounded by people that I got that cicada rhythm problem happening yeah. in the middle of my run in the middle of the night. And it's just like where really the repetitive motion gets so repetitive that you fall asleep. <laughs> and all of a sudden I feel somebody hook my arm. and It was my friend Jill Bates and she was like, hey let's get you back on the course. Yeah, and Mike Clark comes over and goes, I'm going to stand on the other side of you so you don't run in the river. <laughs> they are like playing bumper pool with me as i run on the <laughs> chalk <chop> track. <laughs> yeah, I have.
0: There's been times, and I've, I've done the Prairie Spirit Trail a few times, but there's been times at night on the Prairie Spirit where I've thought to myself, like, I hope I don't just fall off this trail. Like, oh, it, yeah. that's a pretty big trail. I don't yeah, know if you've ever been out on it. Like, but it's a... It's a big trail, and there was, there was times in the Traveler and the Arkansas Traveler the year I did it that like I thought for sure because there's so many rocks. I thought for sure I was just gonna trip on a rock and then just stumble off the side and be done. Like and that's <laughs> the way life I was
1: like going, you know, I had a
0: pacer, two different pacers who were gonna pace me,
1: and it wasn't pacers to keep me motivated going. I just prayed that I made it to them before I started falling asleep because you go off the trail there, it's 200 feet down. I mean, yeah. there's, it's not a forgiving, Hey, look, you can just climb back up the side and get back on the trail.
0: <laughs> well, I, I remember a traveler, my old friend, Kara, and I say little, I mean, she's a woman, but she's, she's small. She's short and, and. Mm-hmm tiny and she had she tripped on a rock and she was on my right side and she tripped on the rock and just started like she went in front of me she crossed me and was just going she was literally in like her head was leading and she couldn't stop and she was about to just fly off the trail and it was straight down i mean it wasn't like a leadville drop but she there's no way she could have continued the race had she fallen and rolled down that hill in the rocks at night but like I just grabbed her by the camelback, just grabbed her by her pack, yeah. and then she's just like hanging over the edge, and I pulled her back, and I was like, what are you doing? And she's just like, thank you so much. <laughs> I was
1: just thinking like, about died. Yeah. I smell like pee right now, but that's okay. <laughs> but we were just like, it
0: was just one of those deals. When There's, there's been times where I wish that I'd fall off the trail so I wouldn't have to keep going, uh, but I, I'd never been so you, lucky.
1: Street crossings. It's like, how can I get lucky enough to get hit by a car? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I've, I've told this story on the podcast before, but I, I was at the San Diego 100 and I was down in this canyon and it was miserable. I mean, I was, I got stung in the head by a bee. And, you know, there's people in my family who are allergic to bees and I'd never been stung by a bee before. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm allergic. And so same friend, Kara, I'd met her at Traveler and then we were running San Diego. And uh, I was like, hey, what would be the signs if I was allergic to bee?" And she's like, I think your tongue would swell up. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, what about the sight? And she's like, yeah, you got a giant thing on your head. And I was like, well, what about my tongue? And she's like, it looks like a normal tongue. And I'm like, well, let's just... I don't know, let's just stop every now and again and look at my tongue and see what happens. Like, And so then I just started pounding Benadryls. Oh, yeah. Well, pounding a bunch of Benadryls and being stung by a bee and being in 100 degree weather in the dry mountains of the PCT, like, or a bad recipe. And so finally I ended up... I was up there falling down like on these single track courses with cliffs, hundreds of feet, like a level yeah. just straight down. I'm falling down I'm by myself at that point because she's not going to stay with the idiot who's like clearly <laughs> like not going to finish this race. But uh, I went to an aid station and I was like, I couldn't close my hand. My fingers were so swollen up they're like hot dogs oh, and, yeah. uh, or more like sausages, I guess, whatever the joint around things or I couldn't even close my hands. And the guy at the aid station was like, you're hyponatremic, you need salt. So he just made me eat a bunch of salt tabs. Well, that's not what the problem was. <laughs> so then off I go down into this canyon and it's so hot and exposed. And I'm full of Benadryl, now full of salt, which made me swallow up even worse. Yeah. And um, my water pack is just hot. like it's just. And so I start trying to sit in the shade. And every time I'd get in the shade, the bugs would just come out and just swamp me. So I couldn't sit. So I'm just having to go, go, go. And at a certain point, this rattlesnake pops out right in front of me. And I'm running at that point, and um, my foot's coming down, and I don't even know it's a rattlesnake. I just see it's a snake, and I was just like, Dah! and I just threw my foot off to the side and just jumped up on this rock and misstepping on the thing. And then I was like, you idiot, why didn't you step on it? It would have bit you. And, like, <laughs> and you're mad because... You know, this would have been okay for a DNF. Yeah, that's nobody. Really, nobody, I nobody I yeah, mean, nobody know, would have would questioned me quitting that race because <laughs> yeah. I got bit by a rattlesnake. But exactly. it was just like, oh man! But yeah, I had. Uh, in hindsight, I had, at the moment, in real hindsight, I'm glad I didn't get bit by a rattlesnake. Oh, yeah. But at that given moment, I was like, man, I wish I would have got bit by that snake. <laughs> and uh, I've had plenty of close calls with cars too. Where it's like, man, if that one would have. Just hit me, yeah. or if this, you know, the run across the state was particularly interesting <clears> because it was just, you know, the the things you have to battle. Every moment of that experience is a battle because every car could potentially kill you. Oh yeah, and so every, so every vehicle that you come in contact with, you have to be on super high alert, like death threat level. Yeah. That's like death con well, situation. I mean,
1: yeah. You also have the repetitive curve like if you're running at traffic you've got the same awkward lane, lane
0: yeah, yeah, the, the entire time those things aren't flat those no. roads aren't like it's most people don't realize that either but you know every every car coming at you potentially kills you so you're on super high alert and then especially in the country like people have dogs and they're designed to keep people off their property <laughs> Yeah, but and the dogs don't. The dogs don't really understand that dummy on the side of the road isn't on their property, so the dogs are really angry. And um, there's homeless people, not, not as much homeless people, but just mentally ill people who are just out wandering the streets too. Um, especially in some of those rural communities, like just people who are out there, like you're. You figure it's going to be a turf war because they don't know that you're. Not a mentally unstable homeless person. You're pushing all your stuff in a cart down the road. Yeah, you like, look like everybody else. You're encroaching <laughs> on their turf. Like, yeah. so there's a lot of you know a lot of threats while you're out there, and uh, you know I had a gun with me, but like, what am I? I don't want to shoot. Am I shoot a dog or shoot? Yeah. a... Shoot a homeless person? Like, I mean, you can't justify that. I mean, I had it in yeah. ca- just in case something went yeah, down. you to go seriously wrong. Yeah, but <laughs> even then, like, I had no business shooting anything. So, I mean, in all reality, you're just kind of out there fending for yourself, and just fingers crossed that you survive it. But there's, there's definitely plenty of opportunities there where it's just like, man, I wish that semi that was super close would have hit my. Yeah, hit my That's stroller. Not me, but like if that thing would hit the stroller, like then I could be done. But nobody ever did. And, you know, the thing about a stroller, when you're by yourself, especially going through the towns, you know, you could technically, if, if there's a close call, get off the road, dive into the ditch, whatever. When you've got the stroller, like you're stuck. Like yeah. you can't get it up over a curb fast enough in a dangerous situation. So you have to play these power games with cars and trucks, yeah. which is insane because it's like, okay, there's a semi coming that probably weighs, I don't know how much semi weighs, twenty tons or something. Something yeah. insane. And it's like I'm having to make myself big and establish a position on the road to fight a semi truck. Yeah, fighting chicken. When I've got a stroller. Yeah. Like, stroller. And there was, there was times when it really looked like I was going to lose where I would just end up having to like jump up on a curb or something like going through one of the small towns. I don't know, not Hennessy, but like Kingfisher or a car somewhere where it was just like I'm standing up on a curb in the grass with my fingers holding the cart, like thinking good and well that carts about to get smoked. And, uh, you know, my biggest fear, and I've I've referenced this before as well, too, was on those downhills. To your point earlier, when you're talking about Sean, like, what if this thing gets away from me on the downhill? I mean, when you're pushing a human like Sean, it's like, what happens to him if this thing gets away from me? But for me, it was support. what's going to happen to the vehicle down the road when it gets stuck? sees a cart coming at it going 65 miles an hour (laughs) full of all my stuff like best case scenario all of my belongings and i'm and this was out in like the uh Antarctica basin area where you know some of those hills go for a mile. Like, oh yeah. Best case scenario, my stuff is just strung along the highway for a mile. Worst case scenario, I kill three or four people because I didn't hold on to my cart and I cause a tra- <laughs> yeah. traffic accident. Like, you still this- have to go down there and claim it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's just that was my biggest fear was that that thing was going to get away from me and kill somebody which very well i mean it wouldn't have hit them and killed them but it would have probably caused a wreck and on a highway a wreck is often fatal so it's you know that was that was interesting because somebody had said well why, why didn't you just like tie yourself to it so it couldn't get away and i was like because if a semi truck hit the thing and it and was tied it. to me, like it would snap my back, it like, oh, would take you right <laughs> with it. fifty miles down
1: the road.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, like there's no way that I'm going to tie myself. You look
1: like the dog from Vacation. <laughs> yeah, he's tied to the bumper.
0: <laughs> but just, I mean, the, even if, I mean, eventually you'd go airborne, so you'd probably be okay in that capacity. But the force of the Going one direction, being picked up and going in another direction at seventy miles an hour oh, yeah. I would have just snapped my back in half. Like I couldn't tie the thing to myself. Like that wouldn't. Yeah. Be, there, there were no options. So it was just this this fight out there on the road. And you know, the next day, when I'd mentioned this before too, my you know, my dad wanted me to do something. And I was so exhausted after I'd finished. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, are you crazy? Like, I don't know. I needed to come back home. And he was like, wanting me to go run errands with him or something. And like, like, have you lost your mind? Like, (laughs) let me alone. And then he got real mad and like got aggressive. And like, we got in this huge altercation, like not physical, but pretty close to it. And uh, it was just like. There's I can't, I can't, like, justify any of behaviors that occurred in that situation. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I just spent four days almost dying all day, every day. Like, with things coming at me, like, yeah. and having to, like, power up and defend myself against semi-trucks. Like, so, when the guy who's smaller, and yeah, he's my dad, but when the guy gets angry, jumps up in my face. Like my response is going to be the same response as I had with those trucks and with those dogs and with everything else that tried to stop me for the last four days. It's like, I'm coming into it strong. I mean,
1: that's the part of it. Um, Like even during Pen at the, after mile 50 or like probably mile 45 on, I mean, we were just a, Hair, like a couple of minutes over a 24, 24-hour 24 pace. I mean, we were moving along in a good a click, and I was like very happy having the time of my life, and you know, except for I was throwing up, and...
0: <laughs> it's weird how that, you can, it's weird how throwing up and feeling like you're going to die can be one of the happiest times of your life, oh, so you yeah. ultra. But,
1: you know, and I, I really, I thank Christina, and Mike, and Kathy, because I wouldn't have blamed if they said you know what dude you're just going to finish this and went on but they didn't they hung back with me I mean Kathy all the time knew how much time we had and she was just like look we got time we can get you back you know you can finish this I mean hell whenever we finished we got to mile 69 we were had we had to walk a two no 20 minute mile to finish 31 miles Easy. I mean, you know that. A 20-minute mile...
0: A 20-minute mile could be impossible, though, at some point. Yeah, but, I
1: mean, I felt good. I just couldn't keep anything down. Yeah. And my strength was leaving me, like, the last two miles, I was throwing up every 20 feet. And it's just, like, not the, you know, puking, but the retching, where, like, literally your throat feels like it's coming out of your mouth-type vomiting, and... You know, I got there, and Kathy did everything she could to help me because they wanted me to finish this race. I mean, if it would have been their will, they would have floated me to the finish line. That's how hard they tried to save me and to get me back. But it just, finally, I was sitting there punching and cussing and punching the ground, and the ground's all wet, and I'm wet and cold and shaking, and it's just like, I just can't. I know what I can do, but I can't go 31 miles without food or water. (laughs) I know my body won't do that. And Kathy finds says, you know, it's time to call it. And they went ahead and went on, and my wife took me back to the hotel, and I was like, I'm just gonna get in the shower for a minute. And I got in the shower, and I started throwing up again, and just laying on my side, and vomit, (laughs) and you know, the shower running over me, and I was just sitting there crying. Because I, I could see the buckle. I could see the finish. I mean, 31 miles to me is nothing at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, feet hurt, big deal, whatever. You know, I've already had the conversation with my feet so many times that they're just going to have to accept this is just a part of it. But, you know, I never understood the people that come into aid stations or to their crews or to their pacers and start bitching at them. And I'm like, you know, it's your choice. Um, You know, you know, my coach is David Clark. Yeah. And uh, he sent me a message at Rocky Raccoon. He wasn't my coach then. He's like, remember, brother, you paid for this. (laughs) And I keep it on my phone all the time because when I get to that spot, I'll hit play and I'll look at it like I did. I chose this. I get to do this. I don't have to. No one cares if I do this or not. But I get to. Yeah. You know, and just like you suffering on the side of the road, I'm sure. And I, I can't even fathom how many times you were like, this is just dumb. I mean, no one's going to care if I finish or not. They're not going to think any less of me. You know, yeah, and I,
0: had, and I had already not finished the year before. <laughs> so it's like everybody expected me yeah. not to finish. Yeah, like, so it's like, yeah,
1: what the heck. You know, but at the same time. You know, there's that part that you want it and it's not a narcissistic thing. It's not a, you know, it's like anymore we live in a society that, you know, you should be comfortable with how you are and that's good enough. Well, that's fine, but there's nothing wrong with trying better, trying harder. I think we've gone to such a place of complacency and comfort that we don't know what it
0: feels like to be real anymore. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you just got to take on these to remind yourself how gifted you are. What what it is to be real, you know. I had was it last? It has been you know a year and a half or something, almost two years ago. I did a marathon every day for January. I did wow. well. I won't say a marathon every day. I'll say twenty six point two miles every day because some of them got broken up um, into you know two parts but it was running 26.2 miles a day for an entire month so 31 in a row and the first one I did and and I had taken two months off so this was going from zero running for two months (laughs) I did a one-week transition to running you know 180 mile weeks for a month and the first one felt pretty good and I I was okay with the time I don't know I was like four four and a half or 4:15 or something for the first one I was like, "Huh, oh, not too shabby." Second day, like I had n- no idea not only how I was going to finish the second day, like it, it was that bad, but like I had at that point there was no th- possibility that I could even fathom 28 more. <laughs> yeah. A total of 31 of those stupid yeah. things. And even, you know, as I started going, I was like 10 down. People were like, 10 down, almost there. I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to do 11. The number 11, much less. Like, I can't even think about how tomorrow is going to occur, much less the 31. And even as it was really counting down in the mid-20s, like, people were making those comments. And it was like, you have no clue how hard this is. Like, it is, like, mentally so hard to even think, I can't also think of the future. Into, taking into account,
1: it's on pavement. Yeah. So it's never forgiving. It's not like a dirt road that you're running and, you know, you get rain and it's a nice relaxing <laughs> road. No,
0: it is pavement. Yeah, I was running on never my loop. Running on my loop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the run across the state, I never walked. I ran the whole thing. So I, I'm the only person that's ever actually run no walk the state of Oklahoma and, um, I mean, that's not really bragging. It's just kind of is what it is. And I didn't know that I was going to do it that way until I was doing it, but it was just, it was one of those deals that at no point was I able to visualize the finish until, the finish was almost there yeah like it was just so much like and every single day like I couldn't figure out how to get to lunch much less how to get to the Red River from when I'm up by Kansas oh yeah you know what I mean it was just the idea of that was it was so far away that I just did not know how I was going to get there and there's so many times that I just thought and I'm might as well just quit now, like because this is impossible. There's no way I can replicate this. There's no way tomorrow at this time I'll still be running. I'm going to have to walk. And I know if I walk that I'm not going to have time to do the mileage that I'm doing, like it's just not going to work. And there's no way I can continue running. And I, you know, I was having these dialogues because had I walked, because I gave myself three and a half days to do this thing, had I walked, I wouldn't have finished in three and a half days. Yes. Yeah. But walking I just knew that I was gonna walk at some point but I just kept telling myself okay fine you'll walk at some point that some points not now yeah (laughs) right now you run Mm -hmm. right now the problems you have are ultra problems like they're annoying and they're frustrating and they're painful and you're sad and you want to cry and all these things but this is what it's like Mm -hmm. like until something happens that's not an ultra problem Keep doing the ultra thing and just keep going, and so I just kept running and saying, "Well, later I'll renegotiate." And later, when I'd renegotiate, I would realize there was no reason at that time, and I'd just be like, "Okay, maybe a little bit." And I just kept putting it off, and it never happened. And it wasn't—it wasn't until I don't know a couple miles that I really knew I was going to finish that thing. Yeah. And at that point, and it was really cool because at that point, I. I was out there and, um, you know, it was the rolling hills and the Red River Valley and and you get some views and you can see for a while. And I was just like, I just knew over the next hill that stinking, dirty, red body of water was going to be there and I was going to see it. And I was just like, I was having conversations aloud. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I I was saying like I was sniffing and I was like I can smell you you're mine like I was just yelling and I was like I own you you are mine I was like I smell you and I know you're out there like I'm gonna take you and it was just like ah and then you know I came went past this old building and they're they're having like a fish fry and I was like they only have fish fries where there's fish and (laughs) I was like like paralyzing the whole thing like where are you and then (laughs) I pop over this hill and then it was just like and then I saw it and I about cried it was just like (laughs) you were so so beautiful like and I'm saying this like I'm lucky there was nobody else out there Like, it was this crazy man with the cart doing but I was like you were so beautiful like oh I love you oh
1: that was I mean not even close to what you did but at the marathon everyone warned me mile 24 mile 23 it hits and I tried to get in a 22 mile run before the marathon I tried to but just weather didn't cooperate you know Cause I'm not going to run in the rain. Yeah. You know, so I paid for that, but I get out there and at mile 24, I'll never forget. And I was so thankful. I was by myself cause they would have locked me up. And I have this outward conversation like this, except for with myself, like what you were doing. And I was like, you know, you can quit. I mean, Keaton quit. And all of a sudden I just filled with rage and anger. And I was like, Don't you ever say that again. I'll effing kill you if you ever say that again. (sighs) Keaton never quit. Nothing. And I'm going and just like finger pointing down at the ground, just cussing and just yelling. And I'm like, they're going to lock me up. (laughs) I'm not going to finish this race. And then, you know, then the travesty happens, which for people who have never ran a marathon don't know this, but... I had my watch, my Garmin set to 26.2. That's a marathon. It went off and the finish line was nowhere in sight. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And I'm like going, they lied. (laughs) That race director lied to me. I don't even see. There's no one around yet. I can't even hear people cheering. Oh, man. And finally I got in there and, um, you know, was running into the finish and I could hear my wife and our friends yelling for me and everything. And Barry Switzer is the one that gave me my medal. Oh, really? And he goes, you you care if an old ball coach gives you your medal? And I was like, "Uh, the ball coach, as far as (laughs) I'm concerned. And uh, he gave it. And I said, man, thank you so much. He goes, thank you. I could never do this. And I was like going, as I was walking away and not even really being able to hold myself up anymore. I ended up getting an IV, because it just got so hot. Yeah. uh, At the end of it, I was like, you have three more times you have to do this (laughs) to do 100. How is that ever going to happen? And I was lucky enough to get to work at the aid station, at Migos Aid Station at Outlaw, and watch all those crazy people try out that race. And... You know, pumpkin hauler and just, you know, uh, turkey and tater. And just, you're just surrounded by people that are willing to push farther. No matter how bad it hurts. And I can't even imagine the pain that you felt.
0: I really can't. Man, and I've, you know, I've been to races and I've seen some of the craziest things of people who wanted it. You know, mm-hmm. like just blows your mind. You saw... Um, the gentleman from Japan who was at the let 200. Yeah. Like with those poles where it's taking, you know, it's taking him three or four seconds to take a step. Yeah. Just like to get well, one, to get three feet of leaning of coverage. Almost a 90 degree
1: sideways because he was so locked up on that side. Yeah. And, and
0: still wouldn't stop. And then he's apologizing to us like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm failing. I'm like, what are you talking about, brother? Like <laughs> you inspired a lot of people to keep going. Like, I don't yeah. think you had any idea. And, you know, normally I don't want to tell somebody you can switch to a timed race. Um, but, you know, eventually because he was so down that he was failing, I was like, I'm going to switch you to the 72 hour and you're going to get all these miles. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you uh, have done something unbelievable. But you know, I had, <clears throat> I go to a race in Vegas. that's called the jackpot. Yeah. And it's uh it's on a loop course, two and a half mile loop. And <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of people go out to that race. It's where I met my friend, Ed, the jester. And I've, I've met tons of friends through that experience. But You know, I remember for a couple of years, I saw this guy and he's a big dude. He's probably 6'4", between 6'4 and 6'6", like big guy, at least 300 pounds. And I mean, the size of a door, not like out of shape 300, just a big dude. I mean, even if he lost all of his fat, he's still going to be over 250 pounds. He's just a huge guy. And, um, you know, I'd seen him, I think two years before that, try to get to 100 and he couldn't. And they had, so he signed up for the 48 hour and this guy, not only did he have a lean going, like his right shoulder dropped. I can't even drop mine that low, like as far as it sank. Like I've never seen somebody that imbalanced and his leg was just shuffling, shuffling. And he went, I don't know, maybe 40 miles just dragging his leg with his body completely out of balance and got his hundred and 48 hours because and you know I'd, he knew he couldn't he he tried multiple times to do a hundred and he knew he needed longer than you know a traditional 30 or 36 hour cutoff and so that was his go and he just did it and he made it happen and, and he got awesome. there and it's just you know you watch you watch situations like that and i don't know if you ever met dave rimfro yeah you know dave um our races were the only races Dave ended up doing in the end because of the way we set the cutoffs. Where we don't, you know, if, we've, if we're going to be out there at the track for 24 hours, then you got 24 hours to finish your 50. Same thing at the Lodi 200. You know, but we're going to be out there working for 72 hours. So yeah. <laughs> if that's how long it takes to do a 50, that's how long it takes to do a 50. Like, I you got 72 hours. Just so Dave would just show up on the first day and take as long as it took. Uh, to get the job done and you know dave um you know dave passed in early june i believe but you know he did he did the podcast with us in mid-march and and he did the load race in mid-march and did his 50 that was his distance that he did at our races you know and that summer at the end of the summer we did the uh, dave's challenge where he did 50 miles for each of the three days of the loadsie race and uh, i did it a couple of dave's friends did it dave's sister did it like we we all did it to honor dave you yeah. know and this year at the track race we did a dave's challenge where it was run one mile for every 24 of the hours so not run 24 miles but every hour you gotta do a mile and you know dave's mom dave's sister dave's wife like dave's uncle like dave's family rolled out and did the dave's challenge and it was just such a beautiful experience dave's mom i think actually won (laughs) the female division of the dave's challenge and his mom's you know in in her 60s and she doesn't run at all Mm -hmm. and she hadn't even walked i think since dave's sister was a little girl like Exercise walk, but she just said to him, Dave, good, I can do it. And uh, she just got out there, made it happen. That's and awesome. I think she ended up with 50k in the 24 hour for somebody who never did no training or anything. <laughs> and it was just like, but that was Dave still, it's just forward momentum. He didn't get the train, he couldn't train, he was yeah. on too much medication. like Relentlessly forward. Yeah, he would just uh, keep one step at a time and wouldn't give up. And he made it happen. So it's just. You know, you have to be mindful of those experiences, and it's you know, on the one hand, it's too bad that we have to draw on other people's losses to to perpetuate our own growth. But on the other hand, you know, if we just let those losses occur and go unnoticed, what would they what would they be for? You know, mm-hmm. I think us us taking these terrible situations and other people's suffering and using it as a reminder to do good things in this world and to continue growing, you know, keeps their spirit alive. It's oh. part of the, it's it's part of adding meaning to to these unfortunate situations that we go through.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I tell everybody that, you know, if you would have told me that If God would have said, Hey, look, I'm going to take your son, but I'm going to surround you with people that you cannot fail. I'd have called him a liar, but that is exactly what has happened. If Keaton would have been healed after the last surgery, you know, I know the truth. The truth is I would have told everybody what a miracle God did, but I'd still be 262 pounds. I would still not be able to play with him as I want to because I wouldn't have the physical shape to do it. Even in my son's death, he gave me life. I mean, I'll never forget where I came from. I'll never forget, you know, I mean, um, when was it? Well, Thursday. Time hop, which is a horrible thing on Facebook, or a good thing, but a horrible thing showed a picture of him and Dr. Braga in the hospital just after his first surgery. Or just before his first surgery. And I immediately was like, I don't want to breathe anymore. I I want to climb inside of a bottle. I want to do anything but this. And here I am four days after trying a hundred miler. So what do I do? Put on my running shorts go to get on a treadmill, and just start running. You know, I know it's not the cure, but at least it's something. (laughs) And it allows me the ability to deal with him not here. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm never gonna have the love that I had for him, but I'll always try to live the life that he lived. And that's to love everybody else. And that's just the the truth of my son. (laughs) You know, as dads, you know, I mean, I think to me, we hope... We hope that our kids grow up to be good members of society. Productive. You know, things like that. That they don't do anything so crazy that they can't make it through it. You know, in my case, my son ended up being better than me. So now I get to live the rest of my life trying to live up to him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I know one day I'll see him again, but it doesn't mean the air doesn't hurt, you know, and you know that. It's just, we live in a cascade of memories and that's all we've got. And the memories I've made Running these crazy races, and the races even to come, and my friends and everything that I've met along the way, complete strangers, they're my friends. And I've had the fortune of making a memory with them that hopefully I take to my last breath. You know, and hopefully I leave this world a little bit better than I found it. I really hope so, because my son did.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, the energy you know the energy that it takes to do these things and i think this is this gets beyond some people's understanding that don't have it but probably to most of the people that are doing listening to this podcast they do have it you know that energy that it takes to do these ultras to to physically and mentally get through it is the same energy that makes it almost impossible to deal with these those types of losses because our heads just go, 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 go. And, you know, they're always spinning. And if you don't have something to release that energy, you will drive yourself into the ground just harder than a nail would be driven oh. with a hammer. Um, yeah, but, I mean, like, this, this right. unique sport and the people that are part of it allow us to... Unravel that chaotic mess <clears throat> and use that energy for something. And now I, I don't know that we'll ever completely unravel it. And you know some of experiences both before and after uh, Josh's passing, but a lot of the stuff that came along with it. You don't get over it. You never do. Like, mm. a, and a lot of times it's as tough years later as it was at the time that you were experiencing it and that doesn't change, but like the pent up aggression isn't there. Like you have these frustrating moments, but you have a channel to yeah. release it and Absolutely. to do something positive and then reflect on those positive things and find meaning through the chaos. And it's uh, you know, it's a unique experience and surprisingly you, a lot of us seem to share that a lot of us are out there dealing with this and i think a lot of us you know to your point i haven't drank in seven years and and you know i've i have have not been overweight in i don't know five years and it's you know there's been a lot of things that were negative in my life and that i used as outlets for that energy you know it's it's certainly an outlet for an energy to like hang out at the bar till three in the morning, and then have to wake up at six in the morning and go to work, and like just and smoke cigarettes all day and pound coffee to get through the day, and be so exhausted at five o'clock. But by the time you get home and crack open that beer, things start to feel good again, and there you go, all night long at it again and doing craziness and waking up in places you never dreamed you'd be waking up, but. um I mean, that's one way to kind of channel through it, but unfortunately, if you that leads to the same place. that well, <laughs> I mean, that just you're not fixing anything. Yeah, you're only you, really medicating. You can't it. do that. You you won't survive. No. And So there's just there's so much that goes into it, but I'm I'm just so thankful to have a positive place with people who understand, and we can get through this together, and you know even us having this conversation today, I'd never envisioned this is the direction (laughs) things would have gone, you know? I I mean,
1: I appreciate you taking the time and, you know, it's like, you know, like I said before, we started talking and it's like, I don't know why you'd want to talk to me. I mean, I seem to be the king of DNFs here lately. But the fact is, is that in this community, I see we're all running to something or from something. And I've never met anybody On the trail that doesn't have a story. I mean, I haven't, and I've met nothing but great people.
0: Well, and the good news is, and um, you know, I haven't been in this long, but I've been on this journey a little longer, a little longer, and eventually get to the point sometimes you're just running. Yeah. I'm ready to get to that point, and that's beautiful, <laughs> my friend. That is that is definitely beautiful. Where you're not running from or to, like, and you know, I, used, I can I, only hope. I hate it when people say, "Like, what are you running from?" And I like, well, it's not what I'm running from. It's what I'm running to. But sometimes, and sometimes, and it's, you're just running, man. yeah. And uh, when that happens. Like oh, that's oh, I had a that's that's where you want to be is where you're running for nothing except to run and to enjoy life and I mean that's what it really is is it's just living in the now yeah. and enjoying this moment for what it is and sometimes it's sometimes it'll click and it's the weather outside and the fact that your legs don't hurt and you're just cruising
1: uh, maybe in the middle of a run and all of a sudden everything falls into place and you can feel like you can (laughs) run forever now it may only last 15 minutes for me but that 15 minutes was like i can run i mean i can really call myself a runner
0: yeah, and that was that was eye opening to me early on. Was you know telling people like I'd, I'd have these runs that were good training runs, and then I'd like screenshot it and like text it to a friend and be like if i'm not careful i might just end up being a runner <laughs> you know, I'd run 100 miles at the time but it was like i still didn't view myself as a runner yeah. and when people would ask it they'd be like oh, i'm not really a runner i'm more of a trucker yeah i, a like, <laughs> I shift a- gears you know i'm just a big yeah. pile of yeah. human moving down the road is about mm-hmm. all i am but I there's moments where all of a sudden you are a runner and it's interestingly sometimes it happens in the middle of the night sometimes it happens in the middle of a thunderstorm like yeah. sometimes you just like the environment has nothing to do with mm-hmm. it you know I've finished runs where I was out there running for the sake of running back when I had the big beard that would just be covered in ice mm-hmm. and just beard covered nice it's eight degrees outside but man that was a, a beautiful moment a beautiful experience because the sun you know the sun still comes up yeah. regardless of whether it's eight degrees and you are running into a beautiful Oklahoma sunrise and, the, and on those days your legs aren't hurting and you don't Nothing feel is the more temperature invigorating than just, the sunrise. <laughs> you know Justin Justin Franklin and I on the last day of my 26.2 miles a day for January it was the uh, it was that full lunar eclipse and you know we started that morning at like 3:30 I think in the morning so we ran into the eclipse, and it was a super moon, so it was just giant, you know. And we experienced the whole thing while we were out there on the road. And then eventually the sunrise that morning, and it was just wow. And you know, it was a culmination of of a month's worth of pain, but there was no pain that day, and there was no, I have to do this tomorrow, and there was no, oh man. <laughs> all the nonsense that happened in the last month it was just hey today's a beautiful day and I'm out here with one of my good friends and we're knocking yeah. out we're just knocking out some miles and enjoying this f- phenomenal experience with with the yeah. moon and the stars and the sun and like it's just all here and here we are
1: exactly and I man White, I appreciate you having me I really do I appreciate you know you taking time to you know, invite me into your home, and just, I mean, this has been really good therapy for me, if nothing else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I truly enjoyed it, and I always, you know, I kind of always look at the clock around this time, and I'm like, you know what, we did it, we did it, and you know, we've been at it for an hour and 40 minutes here, yeah. like on the dot, <laughs> and it uh, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it at all man and I uh, you know I knew we were gonna have fun and I knew we were gonna have some good conversations but it's one of the reasons we do this thing unscripted I had no idea that we had so much in common and you know, we we've got a lot more in common. We we didn't even really get to talk about our weightlifting and yeah, uh, martial arts and, so martial arts yeah, and Ray Shannon like, and just yeah. people from our past that that we both know. <laughs> like that, we could have a whole nother podcast uh, episode just to, to get into some of that, but. Um, you know, we went in a really positive direction. So, for everybody listening, I hope you, you enjoyed learning not only about Justin, but about me, because, you know, that's one of the cool things about this is we get to share little pieces of ourselves, man. And I, uh, other than spending the weekend with you at Lotsey, that was about all I knew. It was yes. just that you're, I knew you're a good well, dude you... with positive energy. Now I feel like, man, I love you, brother. <laughs> like you're, you're a brother in arms here and he's running. You know, the, the Colorado Cooler? oh yeah not yeah. bad it is it is awesome and what, what Justin's referring to is he'd given me the uh, Colorado Cola for the tailwind and um, yeah I, uh, I used it and it tastes just like cola it was amazing well <laughs> oh, thank you my friend oh, well thank you for coming but to, to all of you listening you know what's coming next you stay out there get the job done most importantly be safe and we will talk to you next week